welcome back to the podcast. I usually say welcome back to the Council 36 podcast, but some news we have renamed the podcast. I'm I'm really excited. You know, I liked saying welcome back to Council 36 podcast, but I decided let's give it an official name. So, drum roll please. The new name of the podcast is We the Union. I just I love that name. I love it. It's a play of course on We the People, but I love it and I think it fits us well. So welcome back or welcome to We the Union, a podcast by AFSCME District Council 36. So before we get to the interview, I just want to give a huge shout out to all of the AFSCME members, all of the union members who worked so hard to get the American Rescue Plan passed. I know it took a long time to get any sort of aid passed, for our cities, our states, our communities who really, really needed it. So um, shout out to all of you who made calls, letters um, to get this plan passed. And I know it's very vital. So we appreciate your help with all of that. And now let's get to the interview. All right. So it's Social Workers Month where we, you know, appreciate all the social workers in our lives. And I have a panel here today uh, to discuss, you know, social work and each of your jobs. So um, can each of you go ahead and introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Steve Dobbs. I am a social worker and social work supervisor for Los Angeles County Department of Mental Health and a member of Local 3511. My name is Erin Wurtenberg. I'm a licensed clinical social worker working as a psych social worker, too, at Twin Towers. Hi, um, my name is Marina Martin, and I am a president of AFSCME Local 3511. I am also uh, a social worker and a social work supervisor, and I work for Los Angeles County Department of Mental Health at San Fernando Mental Health Clinic. Hi, and I'm Patricia Stewart-Nolan, and I'm a retired uh, clinical social worker, and I have worked in, in fields of health as well as mental health uh, for Los Angeles County, as well as some private hospitals. All right. So kind of going back around again, um, can you each kind of give a brief description of your job, like your day-to-day? Well, currently I'm on a position that is half departmental and half union, a mental health transformation advocate. And, you know, I spent a couple days in the clinics um, in the area that I work, which is West LA. And I try to connect with um, the workforce, you know, people doing the frontline work, seeing, you know, what's going on, what do they need? What do they want to know about issues that they have? And I take those back to human resources in the department and let them know um, what's going on in the workforce. And there's some other things we're doing. We give certain presentations we're working on and, you know, uh, trying to implement just culture in the department of uh, mental health to have more of a um, dialogue between management and workers about what's going on and, and how to make things work better. So I, as I said, I'm at uh, Twin Towers Correctional Facility, um, and we are on the front lines there seeing inmates who 
need some mental health support. So my clients are those with severe and persistent mental illness. Um, and, you know, it, it is the largest mental health institution in the United States. Um, so it's, it's quite a population. It's, we see a lot of people. And I'm mostly doing um, assessments and crisis response or crisis management. Um, and then, of course, we're trying our best to offer um, quality mental health care and treatment in a very uh, fast-paced, chaotic <laughs> environment. Um, so I see clients weekly and some of my clients I see monthly um, and just try as hard as I can to humanize these folks who are often looked at as mere booking numbers. So that's what I do. Um, okay. Uh, I have uh, a few jobs that I do. <laughs> um, my first job, of course, is uh, a social worker. No matter what uh, my other titles and other responsibilities, I, I am first and foremost a social worker. And uh, with that, I help people who may be vulnerable or who trust us, who need help and trust us to provide the help for them. Um, in addition, you know, I'm currently a social work supervisor at the clinic. And that means that I have few um, social workers and medical caseworkers that report to me and I help them with difficult cases and I provide them with um, assistance and coaching and uh, uh, advo advocating for clients. And of course I have to also in my job as a supervisor, uh, you know, make sure that the job that they do um, is done to the, to the best of their ability and um, high quality. Um, I also work um, after hours sometimes for still for the same department, Department of Mental Health and do crisis intervention, um, uh, going to people's homes, to the emergency rooms, to the streets, wherever there's a need. And myself and my partner would go out and see people wherever they are and provide them with crisis intervention, uh, some support. We interview the client and the whole family. We work with the entire family unit and provide them with safety and sometimes you know, additional resources and make the crisis, I can't say go away, but make, maybe make it better in a moment. And finally, I function as a president of AFSCME Local 3511. <laughs> and um, uh, currently I'm retired, but I would like to add that as a supervisor, one of the things that we also do is we supervise, <clears throat> excuse me, the people who have their master's degree but are needing to become licensed by the state. And so the workers, social workers have to have two years post master's degree of clinical supervision. Uh, so the supervisors do do that. We do that individually as, and we also usually meet with our supervisees in a groups additionally. And I just would like to point out, although I know we're focusing very much today on mental health, social workers are trained really to look at the whole person. 
So we're looking at the physical well-being as well as the mental health of the person. So uh, when I was in health, for instance, we were I was often dealing with people with terminal illnesses, whether it was AIDS patients, burn clients, so working with the patient, but also working with the family in terms of that adjustment to the injury, to the disability, and trying to provide resources. A similar thing goes also uh, with mental health, although we were mental health very much also always focusing on the client, we do work with significant others. Um, that are in that environmental construct with it with our clients. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. So there's so many different points of views here because you guys all kind of dabble in something a little bit different. Um, so Aaron, I want to go to you really quickly. Since you do work um, at Twin Towers, have you <laughs> seen a, an effect on um, your clients from COVID? Because that is a very unique situation mm. to be oh, yes. incarcerated during a pandemic make nowhere to go nowhere to hide nowhere to run so have you seen that you know come up yes. a lot <laughs> yeah it's been a struggle a challenge I should say on on a few levels one I mean definitely for our clients who are really suffering with um, paranoid thoughts and you know they're very suspicious um, we've had to you know when when we come to their cell to see them and we're wearing masks you know, of course, they're like, what is this? Why are you doing this? Um, now that we're offering, we'll be offering soon, very excited about this, the vaccine, um, trying to do education as well and saying, you know, it's, it's not the government trying to, you know, spy on you through cameras and this, you know, whatever it may be. And so really trying to put them at ease, that has been a real challenge. Um, and, and for a while, we had some challenges with, um, it continues to be a challenge in terms of PPE being available to inmates. And so we're working with that um, and having to see inmates through their cell door many times rather than actually bringing them out of their cells to have these sessions with them. And so that has, we really have had to dig deep into our creativity as social workers and really trying to work with what we have. And, and you know, it's all about starting where the client is. And unfortunately, in a pandemic, that might mean just continuing to see them every week at their cell door and really trying to work creatively and proactively with custody staff about, you know, how are we going to give this person time out of their cell? Is it even possible? Um, yeah, so it's been, it's been a challenge, but I think what it's shown all of us is that we have been able to be very resilient in a time of crisis, uh, very creative, just kind of pulling you know, whatever we can out of our back pocket. And it's interesting. I mean, graduate school doesn't train you for how to, how to do this in the midst of a pandemic, um, but it does train you for, here's how we do, here's how we do with what we have, you know? And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of myself and, and my colleagues that have been continuing to show up and do the work and really um, being present for our clients. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many different ways that the pandemic has impacted our work and continues to, but I'm so excited that a vaccine is going to be coming to Twin Towers soon. Yes, that is good to hear. That's <laughs> yeah. very good to hear. Uh, Marina, I do want to ask you about the crisis team that you're on. Um, you know, it's kind of been a large part of conversations recently about, you know, reducing police involvement in certain calls and having teams like yours set up 
but that's work that you're already doing. So can you talk a little bit about that team and what you all do and how, how we can, or if it'll even be beneficial to move towards that more, right? Like, are, is what people are asking true and valid or is it like, no, we do need both or yes, the crisis team can handle these situations? Well, uh, we have um, a lot of crisis teams that are available through the Department of Mental Health. And like one of my colleagues said, um, LA County Department of Mental Health is the largest one in the county. So um, then Los Angeles County is very dense and has large population. So to provide coverage for you know, the residents who may be suffering um, with symptoms of severe and persistent mental illness. Uh, DMH, Department of Mental Health, has set up crisis teams that are available 24-7. Um, and the responsibilities of the teams include crisis intervention, you know, first, first of all. And that may include going out to where the crises are. Um, it's a, it's a team of two people, mostly social workers. Um, for safety reasons, we do not go out alone. And we go wherever we're needed. And usually the family calls us uh, and says something like, my loved one, my son, my daughter, my mother is having these symptoms and they may be having, you know, scary thoughts and they may be, you know, thinking about harming themselves or harming someone else. So this is the, the kind of crisis that we are dealing with. Often the families that call us, they tell us right up front, we do not wanna call law enforcement. They are afraid to call a law enforcement because of what's in the news. And we understand that. So, you know, as social workers, you know, we go wherever we're needed and often the places where other disciplines won't go. Um, so, yeah, we go in, we interview the family, we interview the client, uh, we calm the situation down and we determine, you know, sometimes these clients need to be hospitalized in order to save their lives and we can arrange for that as well. Sometimes that's not needed. And sometimes all, all they need is just some, some kind of a um, crisis intervention, just to be heard, just to listen to them and, and see where they are. You know, we often, you know, think that it's a one situation, but when we get there, it's totally something else. We see people who have not seen a doctor or any kind of a healthcare provider for years and years and years, you know, and finally the family was ready to call someone for help and we're the ones that show up. Do, do you guys get calls from law enforcement as well? Like, do they ever show up to a situation and say, hey, we need, you know, a social worker or a mental health expert here? That's a question. It's a good question. And, um, um, the Department of Mental Health has social workers that are stationed at many, uh, that work together with law enforcement. And it's a team of a social worker and a, a like an LAPD officer or a sheriff's officer, depending on the program. And they would go out together on a call. 
Unfortunately, we don't have very many teams like that. They're more specialized, maybe for patients who are maybe a little bit more violent because of their delusions and hallucinations and paranoia. So the law enforcement together with the mental health clinician will respond to deal with the situation. That's, that's good to know. I don't think that um, that is talked about enough or publicized enough. Cause I feel like in the back of my mind, I knew that they had, you know, these teams that would go out to these situations. But, you know, you have like 911, you know that number, right? But <laughs> if, you need, if you need like a mental health, like intervention or expert, I don't know the number for that, right? <laughs> so I feel and like, you know, Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And it's a good observation because um, people have said that, you know, how do I find you? Okay, and, and lately the answer that I'm getting is like, I Googled you, I Googled you. And they, they, there you were. Now, if you drive a lot around LA, you would notice a lot of billboards, you know, um, promoting, you know, mental health and treatment and, you know, call for mental health support, 1-800-854-7771. They will answer 24 seven, even if you don't need a team, even if you just need to consult with someone, a live person on the phone about, you know, what's going on that's maybe related to mental health or you don't know what to do. Somebody will always answer the phone and you can talk to them. And that's what people are learning to do. They're Googling us. And have a lot of promotions that are going on. Dr. Sharon, our director of the Department of Mental Health, he is doing uh, different virtual events um, to promote the importance of mental health. Uh, unfortunately, with COVID, we didn't have any live events last year. We've had some virtual events, um, uh, but you know, hopefully, you know, after the summer and later this year, we can restart and continue promoting the importance of mental health treatment. I just want to add to that. Um, I think the events, you know, what our director's doing, the billboards, things like that, um, are a big help in reducing a lot of the stigma around mental health. I think people are starting to think, you know, let's reach out to mental health before we call the police. And that's more acceptable now. And it's been a big effort, but, you know, I really appreciate what the department and our director has done in that area and is continuing to try to do to reduce the stigma. Yeah, that, that's a good segue into kind of like my next question is, um, how far have we come as far as the stigma around mental health? Right, and then how much more can we do, right? Like how better can we be? Um, I'll open that up to all of you. Well, I, I think it's tricky. I mean, um, I, I work for Department of Health Services. Uh, our program in the jail used to be DMH and now it's DHS. And so by very nature, we're working within a medical model, um, which can be fine and good, but sometimes that has its limits as well. And so, um, we run this, you know, it's a challenge to try to figure out how do we empower people to understand as much as they can about their own mental wellness and so that they can advocate for themselves. And then at the same time, 
working within this medical model of reminding people to take their meds and really, you know, trying to get them quote med compliant. Um, it's, it's an ongoing challenge. And I, you know, I, I know that different people have different opinions about diagnoses themselves, you know, and whether or not the DSM is the be all end all of everything. And in other cultures, sometimes, um, certain, what we would call a mental illness or a presentation of a mental illness might be considered, uh, being closer to godliness or holiness. And I, and, and so I think that as social workers, we're in a unique position to not only educate our clients about what's going on with their brains and how, you know, maybe they're not neurotypical, but here's how you can cope and function in life and still have a, have a life. Um, so there's that education that happens, but then also educating the community at large too, that, you know, yes, it's a mental illness, but it doesn't have to define you um, forever and ever. And that's what I, I do love about some of the person center language that was um, really happening in the 2000s. And then over the last 15 years or so that, yes, you may have schizophrenia, you're an individual who has schizophrenia and eliminating the use of like, he's a schizophrenic, uh, you know, he, he's bipolar, he's, he's bipolar, you know, um, I think that's such an important part of it. Uh, as we, I don't know, I think we need to maybe not completely eliminate the medical model, but figure out a way that's just more holistic and more person-centered so that we can really see that individual. Um, just the same way, way we do with someone who has cancer or diabetes or you know any kind of thing that we kind of perceive as, as something that limits them in living a, a quote, normal life, whatever that may mean. You know, so that's, that's subjective as well. So. Nicely stated. Thank you. Yes. Just adding, I think reducing stigma is, you're talking about changing our culture as a country, you know, it's a, that is a big undertaking and it's gonna take a lot of time. I think we've come a long way. We're not looking to lock up everybody now. And I think too, having more discussions. I know even my, my daughter's a school teacher and she's had discussions with her students and you know high school students about mental health and, you know, this is getting talked about and there are these billboards up and there's dialogue and, and more um, treatment and outreach methods that are respectful of the communities and the cultures that we're going into. And I think all of that helps a lot. And we're starting to, again, realize, you know, anyone, if you want to say they have mental illness, that's still a member of our community. And I don't know anybody that doesn't have some problems to some degree, it's just a matter of to what extent, but, you know, everyone is a part of our society and, and trying to understand them and help them stay in our society. And like I said, more culturally respectful uh, ways of, of approaching this. Um, it's, I guess, being done on so many areas and it's a, it's a big undertaking, but I think we're making good progress with reducing stigma. Yeah, I would just like to add, I, th I think it's better than it was, but I think also uh, one of the advantages for West, as social workers, as opposed to just doing talk therapy, we really also engage with people in providing concrete resources and help so that people see that, and especially I think for more of our marginalized um, communities where they're apprehensive of any entity that represents government, whether it's intrusion or reporting and that 
we're not, that's not what we're about. We're really trying to help people, whether it's finding housing, food, medical help, mental health, whatever. So I think the more that people realize that and talk about, let's just say even with social work in, a, in broader terms, because that's really who we are, um, that, that also helps to reduce some of the stigma that when I really am in trouble, there is a place, there's someone I can call or an office I can call to try to get some help or as Marina said, consultation. And, and what do I do now? Where, where can I go? So I think all of those things help and if we can also be seen as resources for the community. Yes, and finally, um, thank you colleagues um, for you know, clarifying this. And, and I just wanna add a little bit that to reduce stigma, we need to continue educating families and individuals and a society as whole. We, it's, an, it's a job and it's an ongoing job and it's a constant effort. Yes. Uh, people with mental illness used to be viewed as, you know, fringes of the society. They were dismissed. They were locked up at the time for months and sometimes years, you know, they were asylums and people were just thrown away. Yes, social workers, you know, every day remind others who may say some, you know, negative things about, you know, this particular individual has mental illness. So, you know, what are you going to do about it? Well, people with mental illness have rights and they are humans and they have just as much rights as you do or I do. And we need to be respectful and we need to know what those rights are and we need to keep people uh, healthy and not lock them up. We don't do that anymore. You know, the other thing I wanna add be, beyond just the rights, I think oftentimes people think people with mental illness don't have abilities and that's really not true. So I think one of our tasks also, and I really have to credit uh, the department and Dr. Sharon uh, providing some jobs for many of, of our people who have been clients or previous consumers, because these are usually very, very talented people that have a lot to offer society. So I, I think the more that we can do that and people can say, gee, I'm a result of the system, I'm part of the system, that also helps um, a, a great deal to help destigmatize. And you realize that, for instance, you know, just a lot of people, I mean, we've known some of the movie stars and so forth who are bipolar, but very talented artists, very talented in very creative ways. And, and, and for more people who have experienced mental illness, but have, are working through it to come out as many have done. I think that also helps to destigmatize mental illness. Yeah, I think you definitely see a lot more celebrities these days who are yeah. openly talking about it. And I think that definitely will help, you know, just constantly having conversations, constantly, you know, making people aware um, it will definitely help. I think that's how we've come so, you know, this far. And I think that'll definitely, you know, help us continue to go in the right direction. Um, so can you all talk about kind of the importance of what you do of social work? I think we hear about, you know, like therapists or psychiatrists or psychologists, but people may have like a specific, you know, definition of a social worker. Um, can you guys kind of talk about, you know, how important you guys are to our communities? Well, you know, just the field is so broad. And I, I just want to add and put in that 
very often people don't identify as social workers. We know people who are doing some wonderful things. And I just want to point out, I don't know if people are aware that Congresswoman Barbara Lee from Oakland is a social worker by training. Karen Bass, who is, happens to be my uh, Congresswoman representative, is a social worker. Um, Joe Biden's daughter is a social worker. And also, if anyone is old enough and likes FDR's New Deal, the person that got that going was Harry Hopkins, social worker. So these people don't wear social worker on their sleeves, but I, th I think the field is so broad because social workers are in, social workers are every place and I would like to see us even in more places. Other countries seem to do a better job of recognizing some of our skill sets. And I, I'm thinking specifically at this point of the UK especially with the elderly and infirm, the social workers continually visit homes and so forth. And um, we tend to think, oh my gosh, we're really in trouble where that, that's not necessarily so. So I, I, I think that, um, I think one of the unique things for us social workers opposed to psychiatry, psychology, et cetera, is the concrete services and support that we do provide and I think that's one of the unique things that we focus on, not, not just the emotional, psychological, but also, I, I, I know true stories, <clears throat> someone coming into the emergency room and they're thinking, oh my goodness, this person is psychotic and so forth and so on. And social worker came in and said, you know what? This guy hasn't eaten in a couple of days. I think he needs a meal. So, I mean, some very concrete things. So by our training, we tend to kind of go there first before we escalate into some major catastrophe. Let's take care of the basics first and then move on. And that's just, I think part of the social work training is looking at the entire person, which means that person within that family structure, or if there is no family structure, what's going on in that community, the housing. So I'll, I'll, it's, it's a, a total package. Patricia, I love what you're sharing because I feel like what motivates us to take this holistic approach is really rooted in that value of recognizing the dignity and the worth of the individual. Because if you're just seeing them as a problem or you're just seeing them as a diagnosis, you're only going to address that one thing, right? right. Those, those handful of things, but to approach it from this multifaceted um, perspective with an awareness of all the systems that this one individual is being impacted by and also impacting. Um, I just think it's such a, a compassionate way of, of providing services in, in our community. And for me, I, I, I haven't been a social worker that long. Like I've only been in the field about six years or so. So I'm a baby in this. And when I wanted to become a social worker, um, that was back, I honestly thought social workers only take people's kids away. Like I had no, because <laughs> I lived in such a privileged, you know, uh, white passing existence, basically, I never had any contact with anything like that. And so when I was in my own time of crisis and met with a social worker at Children's Hospital and realized, holy moly, wow, like this is amazing. This is what I want to do. And then when I started comparing, like, do I want to go this route or this route? Is social work really for me? Should I just become an MFT or so, uh, psychologist, whatever? Um, the values of social work is what just pulled me in. And to me, I feel like my role as a social worker, I mean, it's so many, as you stated, like we're all over the place and we're doing so much good work. But for me, my main 
impetus and focus is to remove barriers to equity. And, and so that, that piece of the social justice piece of what we do is so powerful. And sometimes removing a barrier to equity could be in the form of sitting with a person in the darkest moment of crisis. Sometimes it might be, yeah, let's get you hooked up with some some GR, because man, you need a little bit of help here. You know, I mean, it could look like so many different things. It could be work at the policy level, as, as you alluded to. Um, and I think so much of what we do in the community, as you said, it, it is a little bit behind the scenes. It, it is a little bit in the undercurrent of our society. Um, and I would love to see more folks become more educated and, and aware of what we do. Not so that we can be like, oh, we're superheroes, nothing like that, but just so people know that we're here and that this is this is this is what we do. We're we're about a more more equitable and just society. That's so beautifully stated there, and thank you. Yes, yes, absolutely. I will I will say that um, yeah, social workers are all over the place. Certain things that I didn't even know. So like my sister and my sister-in-law are um, in the process of adopting a child. I didn't yes. know that social workers, you know, would be in that realm, right? Um, you know, I know that they are on the um, the side of the child, but I didn't know that like my sister would have a social worker, right? In order to adopt a child from LA County. Um, so you don't think about those things. Like you said, Aaron, you think, oh, a social worker comes in and they take your child, but you don't think that you have this these grown adults, <laughs> married people having social worker, right? Um, so yeah, I think that we have to just, you know, spread awareness and, you know, there are just so many things that you all do that, you know, we have to kind of bring more awareness to it. Absolutely. That's why I, I want to say that I, I appreciate this uh, segment that you're working on, Daisha, because this will promote the value of social work and let more people know what it is that we do. And we do so many different jobs. <laughs> Um, and the society often misunderstands us, you know, like my colleague said, they, you know, some, some people think that we just uh, take away babies or we had welfare checks, you know, and many individuals call themselves social workers, um, but the true social workers are the ones that went to social work school and got the master's in social work or bachelor's in social work. Uh, those are the, the true social workers that were trained in the field. And the society hopefully eventually understands that, <laughs> you know, we do so many different tasks that we need to be recognized as much as other professions are recognized. And I feel that, you know, we're, we're often just sort of swept aside and not recognized um, or devalued uh, because uh, you know of mis misunderstandings or misperceptions about our responsibilities and abilities. You know, we, I, need, I, we need title protection. Is what we need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, it brings to mind also that I think one of the roles of supervisors is to try to recognize the work that your workers do and to support them because very often as a social worker, I used to feel like I'm planting seeds and I'm hoping to see little green sprouts come up and sometimes you don't see it. And I can remember one of my professors when I was in my graduate program, she had done 
therapy group, you know, with, with families primarily. And she said, sometimes it was very discouraging, but she said she would have people come back and they would say, you don't remember me. I came to you with my mother when I was a child. I couldn't say anything. I was seven at the time, eight years old, but I still remember some of the things you said, and I've been trying to incorporate that. Those kind of things are when we see someone, you know, whatever, just starting to get a home, get a job, whatever, that just sends us over the top. We're thrilled with those kinds of things. And I think as supervisors, part of our role is to help our workers value and see the wonderful work that they do and to encourage them because very often it just goes unrecognized. And I think part of our role as supervisors is to help our workers recognize the good work that they do. Absolutely. I think when you think of uh, the job fields that are kind of glamorized, right? You think of like the nurses, the doctors, police officers, fire, um, because they're always seen as like saving lives, right? They save lives but you all do the same thing, right? But because you're helping people like mentally um, and you're not pulling somebody out of a fire, they don't often see that or think about that. And that's an important, like you guys do save lives, right? If somebody's in a mental crisis, you guys can come in. And even if it's just a brief conversation, you can completely change that person's life. And that's important. You know, and I think we do see ourselves as healers and I would like to recount, I don't know if anyone has has access to the news in this past year, New Zealand, the country of New Zealand, did kind of an overall study of their workforce <clears throat> and pay equity. Long story short, after a couple of years of research, they looked at this whole social work series, the total um, area of social work, at the end of it, they decided that the skill set that the social workers use, they gave them a pay raise of 30%, 15 over two year period. The social workers cried when they heard it, not because of the money, the response overall from the social workers, someone finally recognizes some of the skills so that oftentimes you've had to remove a child, but you still, get to work with that family. That's not easy. They're angry at you. Not everyone can, can do this or it, 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 just in some of the, the, the mental health component too. You had me hospitalized. I'm really mad at you. I didn't, whatever. You still work with that person and you calm them down and you work through a lot of these issues. So what the New Zealand group had done, they realized that that's a specific skill set that not everyone has and part of that is the training so i just bring that up and for social workers it's 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 a calling by and large it's a calling uh to do it's clearly it's not for the money <laughs> but the rewards that are are just are wonderful when they do happen when you can help a person when you've helped heal someone change a life there's nothing that can compare to that nothing okay. my my last question um for you guys, you know, it is Social Worker Appreciation Month. For those of us who are not social workers, what can we do for you all, right? Like, how can we show our appreciation to you or just to help uplift you guys um, in our communities and in society? Bring all the chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> bring us treats. Just bring us all the donuts and treats, please. No, I'm kidding. I'll make note of that. I'll make note of that. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I think even what you're doing right now is, I mean, I've never known of this to happen before. So this is for me like, wow, major shot in the arm personally, professionally, and for the profession. So thank you for that. And I think if more people would talk about us and the help that we've been able to provide would, would go a long way. So uh, first of all, I want to thank you for, for doing this today. Yes, thank you. I'd say, I just want to put out that I like what you said there, Pat, and it seems that we almost follow a parallel process with the stigma of mental illness. Yes. Like people don't yes. know anything about us. They don't know what we do. They have their stereotypes of us and it's negative. And she said, the more I think if as people understand who we are, what we do, why we're doing it in the broad range of that and become more known. Um, I mean, that's what I want. Uh, I think then we would be appreciated and, and you know, able to do even more work uh, to help society. Yes. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining me. I, I appreciate you guys taking the time of your busy days to um, join us and talk about what you all do. Um, I think what you guys do is amazing and I hope that we can start to bring more awareness to it and, you know, actually make Social Worker Appreciation Month an appreciation month, right? <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you guys. Thank you, Deja. Thank you so much. You. We appreciate you. your efforts. <laughs> Thank you. Really do. Thank you so much for listening to We the Union. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. This interview was so great. And I think that a lot of people can benefit from this. And I just want to reiterate really quickly um, the numbers that were mentioned. So if you are having or you or somebody you know is having a mental health crisis, uh, the number for the crisis team is 1-800-854-7771 if you live in LA County. And if you live in Orange County, they have a crisis team of their own and you can call 866-830-6011. So do not hesitate to call either one of those numbers if you need help. Um, and I hope we can continue the conversation about mental health in this country because it's very needed. Shout out to all the social workers out there who are helping so many people in need. Happy Social Worker Appreciation Month. And I just want to say that I will see you next time.